G'day and welcome to The Grass is Greener. My name is Tim Henry. I'm a financial advisor in Melbourne. And every week, my guests and I dissect your everyday challenges. We'll get you clearer on your goals and give you financial tips to make it happen. If this is your first time tuning in to The Grass is Greener, make sure you subscribe to the show on your platform of choice so you'll automatically receive each episode as soon as it's released. G'day and welcome to our final instalment of the Start of Financial Year series. So far, we have talked about planning your super contributions for the year, finding a financial advisor in your area, starting your investment journey, and last week we chatted about kicking emotional spending. This week, we are bringing it all home with Mastering Your Cash Flow, and I'm really excited about today's guest. Steve Crawford runs a business in Melbourne called Experience Wealth. He is a financial coach and previously was a financial advisor. Steve was absolutely passionate, I know, when he was a financial advisor. He was really passionate about the fact that for clients to unlock their potential, he really felt that it was all around that cash flow and he wanted to go out and evolve his business into helping people attack that problem. And I have to agree, it is what is absolutely the key. So what we're getting today is a really great chat with Steve because he's spent a long time now evolving these processes based on human nature, based on the real realities of running your household. And he's evolved a really, really strong process around this. Steve talked about the fact that for you to succeed in this area, you've got to have systems and processes that you can follow to help you make better decisions. And he took us through the five key areas that he implements with his clients. And you've got to do this to nail your cash flow. Having a purpose, having a budget and banking plan, having a goal plan, being able to track that with some mechanism and reporting and coaching. I think you'll get This is really sitting through a short interview with someone who's an absolute professional in a very specialised area, nailing your cash flow. I know you'll enjoy it. Steve's also got a couple of freebies in there at the end, which I'll talk you through after the interview. Enjoy the chat with Steve Crawford. If you're looking for a community of like-minded people who are going on a journey similar to you, then I invite you to join the Grass is Greener Facebook group where you can connect, share and learn from other people just like you. I'm here today with Steve Crawford from Experience Wealth. How are you, Steve? Yeah, good, Tim. Uh, You? Very good, mate. Very good. Um, I think we were just saying that it's a Friday afternoon here where we're recording this. We're keen to get out um, and get some fresh air out of lockdown and... um, and bring the week to a close. Yeah, I haven't been out for my uh, my daily walk or exercise. Uh, lots of client <laughs> meetings and coaching sessions today. So uh, looking forward to getting out for a bit of a walk uh, awesome. after I finish chatting to you. Well, we um, would love to have a chat with you today about how to master your cash flow. And you are an expert in this. I would love you to tell our listeners a little bit about the Steve Crawford story and... A little bit about um, experience wealth as well. 
Yeah, no worries. So uh, I am uh, in my early 40s. had a birthday the other day, so it's getting closer to mid. I refuse to accept that it's mid yet. <laughs> um, but um, uh, Experience Wealth is my now financial coaching business. I was a financial uh, planner and advisor for, oh, I think it was uh, coming up for 11 years. Yep. Um, and uh, became a decided to give up the financial planning element and focus on the financial coaching or cash flow coaching element um, yep. a couple of years back. Um, but uh, I am I'm, I'm Brisbane born, Wollongong raised, Sydney lived and married, but Melbourne is my home. So we've been <laughs> in uh, the south southeast suburbs of Melbourne since um, since two thousand and six. So I have three boys. Uh, and um, yeah, we're a local just around the corner from you, I think, mate. Yep. Probably could have run to your place today and yeah, done, this, exactly. uh, done this side by side. I, I know with the journey that you took from uh, going from financial advising into financial coaching, and we've had financial coaches on the show before, but that was because that's your real passion and for, for working with people on these real um, meaningful behavioral. Um, impact on their financial situation can you tell us a little bit about uh, how you do that in your business and and you know what being a financial coach means to you yeah i think that i mean it, it's still a fairly new ish area in in uh, in the australian marketplace anyway and and it's a bit of an interchangeable term i think whereas a financial planner financial advisor uh yeah it's actually a legislated um um profession in the sense that you advise people on financial products uh, and and the advice that sits in front of that, obviously being superannuation investments uh, and life insurances. Um, and uh, whereas financial coaching is is still a little bit of a, uh, a new field. So for us, it was more around, it's a lot easier for me to explain what I do as opposed to what my yeah, title is. Exactly. Um, and so why we moved away, why I moved away from the financial planning part of the conversations with our clients and and focus exclusively on the other parts is absolutely to what you said. It's it's my passion. So we we like to say that our job is to help our clients make smarter, more confident decisions around their money. Uh, specifically, that money tends to want to go towards uh, three things in particular: being property, either getting into it or getting out of the debt that comes with it. Yeah, and we all know Aussies love affair with property, which is why we're we're battling. I think. Norway on a on a weekly basis for highest level of household debt <laughs> in the world per yeah. per income. Um, so it's property, uh, families. So um, helping people figure out how much it costs to actually start and grow their family and everything yep. that's attached to that from a work perspective, maternity leave, paid parental leave, childcare, and all that sort of stuff. Um, and then that sort of extends out into the third passion, which is around the. Uh, helping your kids get the best possible start, so all things education based. So, so my job, uh, and experience, excuse me, experience wealth's core purpose, first and foremost, is to teach our clients how to make better decisions around how they put their money towards those things. Those three things, yeah. Because ultimately, there, and this is where cash flow comes from. It's how much money. Is coming in of your accounts, coming into your accounts, how much money is going out of your accounts and what you're doing with it. Yep. Um, that part of the conversation was was where the where we saw we were adding the most value for uh, our clients and it just happened that, you know, I sort of, as much as I understood the other elements, 
um, if I saw my calendar was filled with a whole bunch of, let's say, first-time parents or first-time property owners or first-time parents and property owners, if I had a day full of meetings like that versus a day full of meetings with people that wanted to talk about insurance, I, I know which yeah. day I'd rather have. So yeah, awesome. they're both bloody important. It's just I seem to uh, be really good at, at one of them uh, and more passionate about it and you've got to follow your passions. Well, I reckon uh, we would both agree that the cash flow component is just a key component to bringing the whole plan to an act- actionable situation. Um, and I often think that people, when they hear the word cash flow, they just sort of substitute that for the word budget. And we know, I would really love through this session for us, and you will do this because you're going to talk us through all the elements of really what makes up a proper structured cash flow situation. Um, you know, what it really means, it's not a budget. It, it means a whole lot more than that. Yeah, look, and I love the idea of um, you sort of picking on this new financial year because I think there's, you know, there's two times of the year where people really want to get engaged with their money. Usually it's it's up and around the tax season and there's a catalyst there or a trigger there that I've got to get a tax return done and fingers crossed I get a return and when that money hits, like what are we going to do with it? Um, or it's the other um, the other, excuse me, the other standard time of year, which is uh, around New Year's when people are doing a lot of planning, and and so I think too often we leave the decision making framework around what we're going to do with our money yep. up to somebody else's trigger point being the end of financial year uh, or the beginning of a financial year. And look, I'd rather you do it now than not do it at all. But the whole purpose of this um, concept of, you know, you're talking about mastering your cash flow. So the whole purpose of this mastering your cash flow is that you have a system and a process that you can follow either individually as a couple or as a family so that when you need to make a decision around how you want to allocate the money that comes into your accounts every week or fortnight or every month, that it's solid and it's robust and it, it makes sense to you and you understand all the bits and pieces that go into how do you actually make those decisions and what's yeah. the best way to put it together and how do you make changes as, you, as, as things change because that's what life is, right? It's, not, it's never set and forget. Um, and so we've got to be a little bit uh, flexible to, to make changes as, as life happens. Absolutely. So what, where can we start, Steve? I'd love you to take us through. You're going to give us a bit of a, a sneaky peek under the, under the bonnet of what you do day in, day out with your clients. So I really appreciate that, and I'm sure our listeners do too. Um, where does this start? Yeah, well, I think that the, we always – as they say in the classics, uh, let's start at the beginning because it's a very good place to start. So um, the problem we the problem with this is if I ask probably all of our listeners where do we start, they'd do exactly what you said, which is let's build a budget. Yeah. Um, and the budget is a critical part of the process, but it's actually the second step. It's not the first one. Yep. Um, the first step, and there's five, there's five steps that, that you need to complete to, to really be able to master your cash flow. Um, and build out this this really good, solid, robust plan. The first step has got to be, what do you actually want to master your cash flow for? What are you saving up for? 
What are you building a budget for? So if you don't understand what you need your budget to do, you can't actually, you don't know whether or not the budget's right. Yeah. So step number one has to be having an understanding of, and we always talk to our clients about um, money or cash flow goals um, and cash flow headaches or cash flow worries or cash flow concerns. Because um, really, that's the only two reasons that we make decisions yep. around money. Because there's something that we want to put it towards, or there's some aspect of it that's stressing us out. Yeah. So when you build that, yes, when you're building out your plan, um, it's all around getting as much of those two elements being the cash flow goals and the cash flow worries and concerns, getting that written down. Now, obviously, if you're an individual, it's a lot easier because you're just asking yourself. But if you're a couple. Um, and if you're a family, then it's about understanding what are the broader cash flow goals for the family, what are the broader cash flow worries or concerns for the family. And really it's it's everything that when the money hits the account, what do you want to what do you need to use it for? So we talk about how much does it cost for you to live? How much do you need to have a decent lifestyle? And I'll, we'll talk about that when we get to the budgeting bit. Yep. And how much do you think you can reasonably and consistently save each month without putting too much pressure on the other two things? The way we've designed our process is, is so that you could do it yourself. Yeah. And, and obviously what I'm sharing with, with yourself and all your listeners today is um, if you wanted to do this yourself, follow these steps. So we always begin it with the idea that you have to have a really good process for selecting which goals you want to put your money towards this year, Yep. which goals you're going to sit on the sidelines, um, which goals you're not going to, you're not going to think about right now. So we always, we have a goal planning session up front with our clients. And part of that is to help them work through their prioritization process. Um, so part of today, we're going to make available, which I'll share with everybody at the end um, a, a few of those parts of that process. So there's a wish awesome. list. Uh, so completing a wish list, which is really, it's not an opportunity to be delusional. It's an opportunity to be cautiously optimistic. If money wasn't an <laughs> yeah. issue for us or if we had our money under control, what would we want to do with it? And here you want to be as descriptive as possible. So what's the goal look like? When do you want to achieve it? What's it going to take? Um, for you to, to to actually make that thing happen. Um, well, I'd say, Steve, I, I'm even um, believe dream big and go hard. You can always peel back the goal, but um, I I find with if you go into these things and, and say, well, I'm I'm not going to put it down on paper to start with because I'll never never get there. Well, you'll make a certainty of that because you'll never even be shooting for it. Um, awesome. So we've we've got the goals. Um, talked about and prioritised. Really like the way you, you've you've talked about that. Um, what do we move to next? Yeah, so assuming you've got the the prioritising of the goals, because critically, that's again, this is what this is about. It's what it, what's the budget for? So if the, yeah. the budget should be designed, and this is the second part, so the budget and the banking plan, because um, effectively we're saying we've we've got our list of our goals. Next, it's what money do we have, and how do we use it to achieve our goals. 
Yep. And, and the goals isn't just, I think quite often what happens when people think about finances, they think goals as savings goals automatically. So it's just the savings goals and it's yeah, not very right. money, right? But, you know, on uh, so we track every dollar and cent that our clients spend. Um, we help them track every dollar and cent that they spend. And on average, for the last six or seven years, um, they've saved 20% of their income year after year. The average Aussie saves about 6 or 7% depending yep. on the average year. Right now, the average Aussie is saving a little bit more because they don't have anything to spend it on. Um, <laughs> yeah. But you ask, you know, you sort of go, okay, well, if you're only saving, if a good result is somewhere between sort of 20 to 40% of your income, that means somewhere between 60 and 80% of your income's going on life. Yeah. So it's not just about the savings bit. It's about having no. a really good understanding of the balancing act. We've well, got to live life, don't exactly, you? Exactly, right? So so when you're doing <clears throat> when you're doing the budget, um, you've got to have, yes, you have the end in mind, which is the savings goal that you're trying to work towards. It's got to be a reasonable amount. And we'll talk next about how do you actually plan out to figure out exactly what that number looks like. But at a, at a high level, you want to have a reasonable level. So somewhere between, if you're just doing it yourself for the first time, if that savings goal landed somewhere between sort of 20% of your income, maybe 10 to 30% of your income, yep. then you know you're in a good place because it means usually most of our clients, their living costs sit somewhere between 50 and 65 70%, depending on what stage yep. of life they're at. And so then the, whatever's left goes to having a life. And usually, you know, at least sort of 15, 20, 25% of your income sits in there. So so when you're doing the budgeting, the first and the most important thing, it's so much easier to maintain something when it's in balance than when it's out of kilter. So if your budget is balanced, there's enough money there for you to make sure that you can have a, that you can live. There's a decent amount to have a life and there's enough going towards your savings, then you're usually in a really good starting point. Well, well, let's talk about this life bit because I just want to get this one out on the table because I think we see this a bit and you would see this a bit with the type of clients that you're maybe meeting with. If you're saying that they're thinking about having families and that sort of thing, they still might have a bit of fair bit of discretionary um, surplus income up their sleeve. Or they might be just coming into a relationship where they're getting their head around saving together. Quite often we see people say, I want to have my own little um, uh, fund that I get to spend however I want or whatever. So it, it's really, I think, important that um, you, you workshop through those types of discussions because it's not, it won't be sustainable if everyone's not all in. Yeah, so the... I couldn't agree more. I think that the banking element, uh, and when I say banking, I mean, um, you know, how how you use your bank accounts, how many yeah. bank accounts you've got, how many credit cards you've got, how you use them, literally right down to how do you pay for stuff. Yeah. How do you set it up? How do you do it? This is, you've got to understand, this is the, excuse me, this is the longest running interaction with a financial system all of us have ever had going all the way back to school and that certain three-letter financial institution that might have incentivized us to have a, a school <laughs> savings account um, so this could be something we've been dealing with money since we were sort of five or six years old yeah and a lot of us have never been taught how to do this so we sort of just we make up what works for us we try some stuff it doesn't work and then it does work 
And then we end up landing in this place where, you know what, it doesn't matter if it, if it's hard for somebody else, I've got my method and my method works for me. So when you get to the point of, especially if you're blending from a single to a couple and you've got to try and start to think about integrating money together, it's really important to sort of check check what's worked at the door and start with a series of over, overarching principles. And the principles for us is pretty simple. You should set your bank accounts up in a way so that they support your spending and your savings targets. They make it easy for you to be able to see what the difference is between spendable money and what's not spendable money. Yep. And you deliberately have a conscious spending process as opposed to a subconscious one. Once you get past the goal planning bit, which is critical because that's the why, that's why are we saving money? Why are we budgeting? And without that, you just you just hit swinging and hoping, right? Yep. But assuming you got that in place, the next thing is, if you don't have a good banking structure, it's you have to work so much harder to try and hit your target. Yep. Versus if you have a really good one, we talk to our clients say the only way you aren't going to hit your targets is if you do it on purpose, because <laughs> yeah. every dollar has a destination within your accounts. We separate church and state. Spending money does not live in the same accounts as expenses money and it does not live in the same accounts as savings money. But to your point around, you know, keeping that, <coughs> excuse me, keeping that individuality, yeah. um, we're huge advocates of, of, of allowing yourselves to do that. So still having separate accounts to, yeah, yeah you know, for, for really agree, your own yeah. spending spaces. And I think what you say, if, if, if it's an inefficient banking structure, you just, it's just that small leakage, isn't it? Um, righto. So we've n- nailed a bit of budgeting and a banking plan. Um, what what is it now? Combining the two? Yeah. So we, I mean, mapping the two together is really important as well. So you've got when you go through the budget, and one of the things we're going to make available to everybody is is what we call our budget planner. And there's two tabs on it. It's a good old fashioned Excel spreadsheet, so it's pretty easy for people to figure out how Steve, to use. I think we know. I know. I know you well enough, mate. I've yeah. seen that many spreadsheets come out them. from you. Love spreadsheets. I do. I actually have a mug that says "I heart spreadsheets," um, <laughs> and it is true. So I'm one of those blokes that builds them for fun, but I like building them so they're really easy for people to use. Because yeah. at the end of the day. With all of this stuff, and as much as a coach and a planner are, uh, are critical, the coach and the planner should help the individual get the most out of their program. Yep. The program shouldn't be reliant on it only working if the coach or the planner has totally to come right. in over the top and explain stuff. So yep. the thing that I love about really simple things like an Excel spreadsheet is if it's easy for you to understand, you can fill it out yourself You can, and then you can understand how to link your accounts to your spreadsheet, so to your budget. So you go, okay, well, for instance, food, excuse supermarket and groceries, well, which account are we going to use to pay for that? Um, entertainment, which account are we going to use to pay for that? So you connect the two together. When you've done that, um, you build confidence that the numbers that are in your budget are realistic, they're balanced, and they're achievable. And that is a critical part in the process because if you don't believe your own budget, I call it a BS budget sometimes, then when you get to the next part in the process, which is planning for the goals, guess what? You're not going to do it because deep down that little voice in your head is saying, mate, 
It's not even that real. That budget is bullshit. It is not going to work. <laughs> yeah. You know, you spend how much? You Mate, you spend that on a day. You don't spend that on a month. You are lying to yourself. I was listening to, uh, it's obviously the Olympics are on right now, and I know all yeah. Aussies, we don't really care until we do care, and then the green and gold come out. <laughs> and listening to, I think it was Grant Hackett was talking about his, one of his 1,500-metre races, and, and he bloody won it with a semi-collapsed yes, lung. Yes, I saw that, right? yeah. Now, clearly the bloke's genetically gifted to be able to do that, but um, he was also talking about the fact that he put the work in. And even though he was in hospital for months beforehand, like he put the work in and he had he had a plan and he had a system and he was so confident in what he'd done that he knew that when push came to shove, he had it in himself to find what needed to be done to get yeah. to that point. And his last 100 metres was the fastest out of any of the ones that he did before that. So if you translate that into what it means around your banking and your banking structure, <coughs> excuse me. Um, well, when you've, got that, is, when you've got that structure and you've put the work in and you know um, that you really believe in it, you're ready for those things that go wrong. Yeah. And, and so you, when you can't slip off. Spot on. So you get, you get into the third part of the process then, which is the planning element with absolute confidence that you believe the numbers will be there. When it's time to dedicate savings each month to your goals, you know that savings are going to be there. And you can take them out of your bills account. You can move it into your to your goal accounts and you know it's not going to blow everything else up. And there's a saying in, in building that the bigger the build, the deeper the dig. And what it means is the further up you're going to go, the stronger the foundations need to be into the ground to make sure the thing doesn't fall over. And then it's the same with the planning, whether it's financial planning, whether it's cash flow planning, the bigger the plan you're building, the more confidence you have to have that what you're building it on is solid. So whether it comes to property, family, uh, or education, it's the same thing. And you, and those that confidence comes from knowing that the numbers that you've got in your budget are fair and reasonable and balanced and achievable and repeatable and all that stuff. Step number three is the goal planning itself. And this is usually where a coach or a planner is a really useful addition to your team because you know a lot of stuff these days is youtube how do i um and you know quite often people especially let's pick on property property is such an easy one because there is a whopping gaping chasm between how much we can afford and yeah. how much we can borrow um and i don't know i don't know about you but i've got mates uh, you know, members of the local footy club and stuff like that. And that's where invariably when they find out what I do and they know, then no one else is standing around and they go, oh, I was at the bank the other day. You can't, be I can't believe it. They were going to lend me yeah. insert number. And and then you go, mate, I wouldn't lend me that. And when you're turning around to yourself saying, I wouldn't lend me that, yeah, it usually means that you probably don't have a lot of confidence in whether or not that level of debt in fact, you're probably the opposite. You think that much debt is too much debt. But the problem is you don't know what's the right number. So we talk about how do you lifestyle proof your property purchase? How do you know what's the right level of debt to take on so that it fits into your, your budget and your cash flow now yep. and you can pay it off in a reasonable time frame that suits you and, and your family's goals? I so like this is it. where having a coach or a planner to help you figure out that number, what that actually looks like. Because you need to stress test it against um, 
properties is Australia's love affair with property is like a wedding and a marriage, except everybody forgets about the marriage part and it's just about the wedding. And they forget that they're married to the mortgage that's attached to this thing for 30 years. Yeah. And they go, oh, well, yay, I've gotten to the auction. And they wake up the next morning and they're like, oh, geez, that <laughs> debt is big. You know, so you don't want to have that moment, right? So the, so the planning element when it comes to the property bit is know what, you're going, know what you're going into with your eyes open. And the more, again, the more you understand your cash flow, the more you understand how much is real, you can really afford, makes it so much easier to, to plan out that next part, which is around the, you know, that big purchase, which is the property. Uh, and then it's the same exercise when it comes to the family, what's going to happen when you stop work. How long are you going to be off for? What sub, uh, you know, what what do you qualify for from um, the government's pay parental leave schemes? If you do qualify, um, what does return to work look like? What do your numbers look like if if one of you is only going back to work, say four days a week instead of five or three or whatever it is? Um, and that just allows you to sort of stress test your numbers in a, in a range of different scenarios. And again, this is where a coach tends to come in a little bit more handy because they can they can help you easily map through yep. um, how you would do that. But if you were, again, if you were doing it yourself, you'd look at your budget and say, what do we look like if I only go back three days a week or four days a week? What, what does our numbers look like then when we do those types of things? And similarly for education, I guess. Yeah, education is another one of those ones. And it's funny, I, I'm doing some training with some planners at the moment, teaching them how to build education plans for their clients. I literally just finished the two-hour training session. We spent half the time talking about the emotional decisions that sit behind education uh, choices. Um, and it is one of those ones in, I think, the two bookends, especially Melburnians, we're probably more guilty of this than anybody else, is we're blinded by our own belief in what we can do from a property perspective in terms of how much we can afford. Yeah. And we're blinded by our ability to put our kids through private school. Um, and there's nothing wrong with it. It's absolutely, it's one of the most powerful decisions you can make around yeah, helping your child get a better start. But it's the same. It's, it's at the end of the day, it's still money and it's got a fit. So it's more around when you're doing education planning, start with the end in mind of what do you want to give your child or your children or yourself, um, how much can you afford to, to tuck into your normal cash flow? And so for us, we say somewhere between 5 and 10% of your income is an average figure. 10 to 15 is sort of nudging it and 15 to 20, you're at the upper end. Um, and then understand, okay, well, if, I, if I'm not going to be able to or if we're not going to be able to afford all of it all the time, how much do we need to set aside to save now? so that we can, you know, make up the difference um, then when we get to that point. I really like the um, the structure there and, the, and particularly those three areas because I, I think gut feel for people that haven't had uh, advice or coaching before, they're probably really sitting there saying, can these three big chunks all coexist together? Or if I if I go hard at all three, is one going to fall over? And so this is what Steve's talking about is being able to road test and, and understand, okay, well, yeah, we're no chance. This isn't going to work. Or this can work, but it's just going to take a little bit of commitment and a real plan to get there. Yeah, you want to go on to the next step now? Oh, the fourth one, tra tracking. So so up until this point in time, these are the 
these are the awesome parts of the conversation because where we are, everything's optimistic, everything's achievable. We're planning, we're vision boarding or goals boarding. Um, you know, we're going through a budget and this is what we want our numbers to look like. I'm going through a banking structure and here's how we're going to spend all the money that we've got. Yep. And then we're planning for our goals and geez, it's going to be awesome when we can save all of this. And then reality kicks in, which is where cash flow tracking comes in. So if, if the budget and the goals is the promise that you make to yourself, then the tracking is the reality of how you deliver to that promise. So it's amazing. I reckon just about every Aussie, once they get to a certain age, has built some sort of spreadsheet budget. Very, very few of us actually track how we go to that budget. Do that. Um, or we do the opposite. You find trackers that don't budget where they just report the damage to themselves yeah, right. <laughs> on a regular basis. Um, so the tracking is the other hub. I talk about feedback. So, um, or this concept of as much as possible, trying to get real numbers in real time to help you make real decisions around what you're doing with your money. And if everything's tracking along tickety boo and you're doing great, no changes. And that means you're sticking to your budgets, you're there or thereabouts, um, you don't need to make any adjustments and you just keep on keeping on. And it's only when, if and when, you are over budget, when you're looking at it over a, a reasonable time frame. So it's when we do, again, we track every dollar and cent with our clients, we use a piece of technology to, to take all the heavy lifting away from them and everything's pretty much automatically fed in. Um, and so they get instantaneous feedback on how they're going. And this is both a blessing and a curse because they go from a world of having no information never yeah. to too much information immediately. <laughs> um, and so the, the skill here with your tracking, which connects into, I suppose, the fifth part, which is the reporting and the coaching element and when to know when to start looking at your results and when to start getting feedback on those yeah. results um, the key with the track, <laughs> excuse me, the key with the tracking is if you get it set up well and you've got your account set up really well and you know I'm going to use this account to spend money on this thing and I'm going to use that account to spend money on that thing, when it comes to the tracking, you're not sitting there going, oh, what did we spend that on again? What yeah. was that for? I can't remember because you started, you already narrow it down. Let's say you've got a personal spending account for, for you're not, one of you're your not saying buckets, are you? Oh, mate, it's the buckets. I love it. It's got to be There's a bucket for one. Look, he's done a lot of things very well and the bucket he approach has, absolutely. is so I logical, love, right? I love it. Absolutely. Um, it's good. Uh, you know, the and, and the idea is if it's come out of one of those buckets, you already know that you've narrowed it down to, to what it's going to be for. Yeah. So, but if you don't track, you don't know whether or not you're actually doing what you need to do. So the budgets and the goals and the banking and the purpose is is critical because, and that's why you have to do those bits first, right? But then the tracking is your proof statements, the evidence that says how you're actually going against the goals that you set and the budgets that you set for yourself. That's right. I, th I think with any goal, and we've had um, people... Uh, on here talking about goals on the podcast before and all of them have said the same thing if you're going to have a goal you need to have steps you need to have milestones and you need to be able to say at those milestones how am I going and if it's not going according to plan how do I adapt 
and having the ability to adapt and understand what needs to be done. And what you what you're saying there is just exactly that. Yeah, and look, the the beauty for the, the where we're at right now, there's there's a bunch of tools. Some of them are free. Some of them are paid that you can use to track. Some of your banks will provide a, a spending tracker or some version of it. And then there's the types of uh, software that we use. I'm not sure if I'm allowed to mention the uh, the name oh, of it. But, uh, yeah. Well, so we use a program called MoneySoft that we've that's custom yep. built cash flow tracking for financial coaches and advisors to use with their clients. Um, and we've got our own version of that, sort of tailored around what our, how our clients like to track things. Yep. Um, and so there's there's a, a range of different ones. The one thing I'd say with the free ones, be careful what you're signing up for because you've got to understand these are still businesses that are there to make money. And if they're not making money from charging you fees, there's a small chance they might be making money by selling your information off to other businesses to try and target you for for different types isn't of there a saying that says um if you if you don't have to pay for the product you're the product yes <laughs> something uh, like, could that. Be like that but there are look some of the banking apps your data, are, basically yeah absolutely yeah you know yeah. so that so the tracking stuff is out and look even if you don't want to use an app you know i'm showing my age here but you could use your and again you know i love a spreadsheet there's you can export your transactions out of your bank accounts online and you could track it that way and measure it to your budget. So there's there's a means to an end of, of how you're doing that. I know some people are big believers in using spending books and stuff like that and writing it down. I yep. personally I don't subscribe to that. I think that's overkill. I think if you do a lot of the if you do the work up front to build the budget, get it balanced, and you get the bucket structure right. Um, you listeners can't see, but I'm holding my phone up between my my phone banking app and knowing how much I've got in my my spending account um, and then using my tracking, that's that's enough for me. I don't yep. need to, to do anything else. And so then when you're actually, you know, coaching your clients through some of this reporting and, yep. and how that's going, um, I guess I'm sort of seeing this as like a cycle, isn't it? So you're yeah. cycling back to the goal. Are we still on track? Do we need to modify anything? Um, how do those meetings sort of go? Yeah, so again, <laughs> excuse me, there's a, there's a method to the madness here. So, and you know I love my footy, so I'll use a footy analogy. And I think AFL football is probably one of those sports that has now, although with the footy caps, not as much, but let's say go back before COVID, they, you'd look at the coach's box, there'd be three coaches and 75 analysts and there is GPS trackers and yeah, there's absolutely. stats and data out the wazoo. Um, when the players are out there playing the game, the coaches aren't sending the runner out there, I guarantee, with immediate instantaneous feedback on what their GPS numbers are telling them. When you go from no information to real numbers in real time and live information, the risk is to overanalyze stuff too much. Sometimes you can't see the forest for the trees. So try and get into it. We talk about the difference between information and insights. So your reporting cycle should be weekly, monthly, quarterly, and yearly. And you don't look at everything at the same time. So most of our clients have a budget that has somewhere between 35 and 45, (coughs) excuse me, categories that they allocate a number to. And at the end of the day, it's their number, right? It's not ours. 
we're not there to tell them how they can and can't spend money. We're there to help them stay accountable to what they said they wanted to do. So out of these 35 or 45 things that they allocate money to, typically my experience over doing this for 13 years, there's only ever about four or five categories that they overspend on. Yeah, that's right. All right. The one percenters, the KPIs, the things that win the footy, whatever it is yeah. that the AFL mobs call the championship statistics, whatever it is. In spending parlance, that is, there are four or five things, Mr. and Mrs. Klein or Mr. and Mr. and Mrs. Mrs., that if you stick to that number that you give yourself, you will hit your target because you don't historically overspend on anything else. Yeah, so weekly, I think people would know gut feel what those areas oh, are anyway. Mate, it's they? the fastest thing in a meeting yeah. and it's hilarious. We, You know how people know, especially if it's couples, partner A will offer on behalf <laughs> of partner B what the focus area is and vice versa and yeah. it is so quick. Yeah. To go, yours is this and yours is that. And right. And at the end of the day, they know, right? And so we ask them, by your own admission, what would be the four things or five things that you would want to heighten the visibility on? And so we created a little thing we call a spending snapshot. And it's just a really simple little, it's like a spending usage warning. You know, you get your data usage warning on your phone. Yeah. Here's how far through the month it is. Here's how much you've used. It's one of those. So it's literally, what's my budget for the month for this? How much have I already spent? How much have I got left? How far through the month am I? And if you get to the end of the month and you haven't spent it all, chances are you're going to hit your numbers across everything else. Yep. So that's that's your weekly stuff. And then that's really all you need to focus on. Monthly, monthly is like a little bit of a check-in. You know, this is the stuff in between the quarters. You, it's Monthly is the Clayton's report because it's not short enough to be useful because it's already, the damage is already done. We're at the yep. end of the month, it's gone. It's not long enough to be useful because you don't have a month either side to get a really good um, sense of what else is going on. So it's more like placeholder information. The, the next yeah. one then is your quarters. Same as with footy. You get three months worth of data, usually aligned with seasons. Summer is the most expensive three months of the year, followed by spring, followed by autumn, followed by winter. As night as follows day, that is exactly how it works. Yep. So understanding how you look over those three months you're pulling the lens back a little bit further. You might compare yourself against your, um, you might have a look at how you've gone month to month. You might have a look at how you've gone to your own budget. And then one of the things that we do for our clients is we um, compare them to everybody else that we look after in the same peer group as them. So they nice. families look compared to families, couples to couples, singles to singles. And that's when family people like like us, mate, we, we sit there and we look at our couples that have, this really low food spend, but this really high entertainment spend because yeah, apparently there's right. these things called restaurants <laughs> that you're allowed to go out to and spend money at. Well, not at the moment. Um, no, well, but it's um, <laughs> uh, but they look at us and go, God, how much do you spend on groceries and what's your education cost? So it's really the power of a benchmark. Yeah. When you, because especially if you're doing it yourself, you don't know what you don't know. So you could have set a really unreasonably harsh harshly restrictive budget fallen over missed the number kicked your own backside because you've delivered it what you think is a terrible result but if you actually looked over the fence at what everybody just like you was doing you might have actually done really well so so just lifting the lifting your eyes a little bit to see what's everybody else doing 
Um, and when we give this budget planner out to everyone, it's going to have those benchmarks in there so they can choose the one that suits them best, whether it's singles, yeah. couples or families, and that just gives them another way to frame up how are they going. And then that that by the time you add your four quarters together, you've got your full year. It's a chance to take, take stock of everything you've done, use your last 12 months, use that as a basis to set the next 12 months and mate, off you go and... You're going to have quarters that don't go according to plan. You're going to yeah. have weeks where you don't feel great or things don't go according to plan. That's okay. It's all, just all about recognizing it, resetting, going again, isn't it? Yeah, absolutely. You're not going to tick every box every time. No. And that's and okay. Think, yeah, and that's where even if you don't get an external coach to help you, if you're working together as a team, what we always say to our clients, and we've got clients that have been with us for years and never want to leave. We've got other clients that work with us more on a on a project basis where they say, look, we might come work with you guys for 12 to 24 months because we're going through a period where a lot of stuff's happening. Property, families, you know, into childcare, the triumvirate of, geez, what's about to happen? And they're trying to figure it all out themselves and they go, oh, geez, that's a bit too hard. We're going to go and get someone that's not emotionally invested in us and actually knows what they're talking about. And they, and they might choose to then go off on their own. And what I say to them is it's very similar to what happens if you don't get a coach, even amongst yourselves, you need to delegate or you need to figure out how are we going to make decisions when, when we, if we, or if, and when, if we get to a point where we're not hitting our budgets and we need to make changes, there will be a win. What's our process for playing the ball and not the man? So not, you know, attack the problem, not the person. How do we how are we going to deal with that situation? Yeah. So that we don't start pointing our fingers across the table and saying, You're spending look at how much you spent on presents this month. Or, yeah, that's right. Look how much you spent on groceries this like when you start at that level, and that's why I say it's it's one team, one dream in this. But if the team can't coach themselves individually, that's when you know it's time to go and get a, an external um, because they can help you. If you, if, uh, if you can coach yourselves, then it's about making decisions. Who, who's going to track? Who's going who's gonna to play the role of if we need to make changes? Who's going to lead the conversation? How often are we going to sit down and are we going to look at it? You know, yeah, build, I think a, that's build, right. a, build your own sort of feedback pattern. Because one of the biggest things that you, I mean, you've got all these great tools structures and processes but one of the biggest things i'm sure you add uh, to all your clients is that third person in the room to have the conversation with and be accountable so if you're going to try and do it yourself you've got to be really upping your game on that accountability that's been awesome steve great chat mate and um really really love uh that that what you've just talked us through there, those five steps that is very, very um, solid. And I know that you put a lot of work over the years into um, evolving and developing that plan. You've got a, um, a couple of freebies you're going to make available here. Yeah, so we're going to um, – we'll provide you guys with a link. It'll be, I'm assuming, in the show notes and um, there'll be – you'll be able to access that. So if you could just click on a link – uh, it'll allow you to download um, just a, a wish list that's going to help you with the goal planning bit at the start. Uh, and then a couple of days later, you'd get an email from us, uh, which will have the the budget planner. So no expectations. Fantastic. You don't have to, there's no, 
you should be able to absolutely use this stuff by yourselves. But obviously, if anybody needs any help beyond that, uh, fantastic. You know, give, us a, give us your uh, your website as well. Oh, experiencewealth.com.au. I always say that because how many people ever go onto the show notes? I'm not sure. So we've got to get it out there uh, verbally. Fantastic, Steve. Thanks for joining us. And Steve um, is in the, the local Bayside area uh, as we are, uh, hence why we um, we know each other so well and, and collaborate together. Uh, it's been great having you on. Thanks, mate. And, Appreciate it. And uh, we'll catch up with you soon. Yeah, look forward to it. The information in this podcast is of a general nature and does not take into account your own financial objectives, circumstances and needs. You should consider your own personal situation and requirements before making any decision. If you have any concerns or questions, please contact me. One thing I think you'll agree is Steve he is a very, very uh, purposeful and passionate uh, financial coach. Um, I, I really admire what he's built in his business and, and the way he goes about coaching people in this area is absolutely, uh, I think, second to none because uh, it's just so, so well thought through. Steve has been kind enough to give us a couple of freebies and all you've got to do is look in the show notes. We've got a link in the show notes. And if you click on the link, you will receive from Steve two fantastic resources. He talked about um, the wish list or having a purpose. He's got a great a template to help you uh, with that wish list or planning your goals. And he's also going to make available to you his budget planner as well. So, Click on the link in the show notes and get those freebies from Steve. I'm sure they will be absolutely excellent. I am going to do that myself. That's the end of another show. Remember, the grass isn't greener on the other side. It's greener where you water it. See you later.